Hello, I'm Kenny Smith, and this is The Best Story I've Heard Today, a podcast for news junkies. We know you can't possibly see all of the great content being produced, so we're bringing you a story that you might have otherwise overlooked. Our guests each day tell us about the story they found, and today we're pleased to welcome to the program Zach Kiefer, who is a sports writer, primarily covering the Indianapolis Colts for the Indianapolis Star. Zach, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Kenny. Tell us the story you found today. Tell us why we should read it as well. The story I stumbled upon this morning is is called The Patch Players, and it's about a lot of different things. There's a lot of different layers to it. It's from a writer that I've never met, um, Matthew Werner, but it's really about basketball and injustice um, and sort of civil rights in Indiana. Um, and so for someone sort of as young as me, I'd still like to think of myself as relatively young. Um, this was an era that I didn't live through, and I find this stuff fascinating and really ugly at times. Um, and it's about Michigan City and, and sort of the, the prejudices a lot of these high school basketball players had to face and sort of the lessons that they carried with them the rest of their life. Let's set the stage here a little bit. Michigan City is on the banks of Lake Michigan. It's about 50 miles from Chicago, 31,000 people today. The story centers on some young men playing basketball in the 1950s, about 28,000 people there in a highly segregated uh, part of the world in that time, 1952, 1954 is the general right. focus here. Right. And in and, and, and the way the byline sort of the writer brings it out is sort of these little details that trickle out throughout the story. There's a couple of them that just stuck with me. Um, they would have, you know, the local watering hole, it would be divided. There would be the whites on one side, the blacks on the others, and just the little details like that. And, um, you know, in the, in the fourth graph of the story, one of the main focal points um, is talking about the word. And he doesn't really have to refer to the word because everyone knows what the word is, but he said the word. Never heard it so many times in one day. And the next graph starts with the racial slurs rolled off Greer like heavy rain. So it kind of makes you feel sort of the the pelting of the racial slurs that kind of weighed on these guys. Um, and it jumps you, it pulls you in right away. Um, and it really makes you sort of feel um, the weight and the extra obstacles these guys had to face on a daily basis as they really tried to do something that was pretty simple, play high school basketball. Now in a but sport, it never was simple. It never was simple. In a sports context, this story starts about here's a guy who offers the universe one of the one of the first jump shots. It'd been around for a few years, media not the same then as it was today. There's really still an open question. We're gonna say Ken Sailors, but there's an open question who started the jump shot. This is the first in the story that that we're talking about, Matthew Werner's story here, uh, that some of these people had ever seen. Also it was a, an athletic play performed by a young black man in the 1950s. So it's not just sports, very much about the civics that, uh, uh, and, and the politics that they're going through here. Yeah, and they didn't like that. And the fans didn't like that. And, and, and one of the reasons this story sort of pulled me in is I've sort of reported on a similar situation. Um, a lot of people probably don't know that the first black player in a national college basketball tournament, you know, the one that's going to start going in the next month or so, um, played for John Wooden at Indiana State, and he wasn't a star player, but there were a lot of parallels between his story and what these players went through, even at the high school level. He had to stay in separate hotels. He had to sleep in the basement. He wouldn't be served. They, the entire team would go to lunch, and he wouldn't be served, and there were a lot of similarities to that as this. And so when I read that part about the jump shot, it did not surprise me at all 
because they they would be so sensitive to anything. And they thought that the one-handed jump shot, which is what this guy was doing, was was essentially showing off, was showing up sort of the traditional regimented basketball norms that everybody was used to in those days. And they didn't like anything that upset convention. They didn't like anything that upset tradition. And this is one of those teams that sort of gets lost in history because at the end of the story, you know, who comes along, right? The team everybody remembers, and that'd be Indianapolis Crispus Addicts with Oscar Robertson. I think they lost one game over a two-year stretch. Absolutely dominant in so many different ways. They played the game differently. You know, they dunked in warm-ups, and that was a big, big controversy. And they, they, played, they played jazz, spittering music. Um, they got the crowd going before the game. That really upset sort of the traditional ritual Indiana basketball establishment, and, and really for the better. Let's talk about the establishment here. As you say, you're a young guy. I'm a young guy. In a sense, we are very young. This is before our times. This piece here, Matthew Werner's story, objectively discusses northern Indiana Jim Crow laws in a thorough and dispassionate way. In a thorough way, I think is important to say here. It, it covers a lot about what was going on about young people's experience from both perspectives a bit here because there's a great quote about how the white people didn't see a problem with it because the white people didn't see the problem because of the segregation, which is not an uncommon experience during that period. But I think what is happening uh, as time goes on, particularly for us of later generations, we aren't aware of the of the breadth and depth of that experience. And, and this piece really gets into that. Right. And And through the prism in which it's framed, right, basketball, there are things you start to notice. When the team starts to have success, all of a sudden these restaurants open up to these guys. And they saw that, and they noticed that, and they weren't naive to the reality at hand. But you see that there are certain teams that sort of live on, and, and Gary Roosevelt's teams, and, and Indianapolis Crispus Attic's teams. Those teams have, have stayed with us and became sort of um, legendary teams in the Indiana basketball history, you know, encyclopedia that so many of us grew up with. Um, and this is a team that sort of lost a history because of the Michigan City, because they weren't centralized in Indianapolis. That's probably one of the problems why. But um, it's very interesting to see where the story starts and where the story finishes in terms of how much changes with the success they had on the court. Because that, in this day, that changes a lot of things. I'll yield to you on your expertise of Indiana historical basketball, but I find it remarkable that a program like this can be lost to history. There's a great uh, bit of trivia at the end of the story. From 52 to 75, Michigan City Elston is the basketball team. 24 straight sectional championships, seven regional championships, one semi-state and one state championship. And we're overlooking them somehow in a state that is overrun in its pride for high school basketball and its pride for high school basketball history. Yeah, I mean, it was a powerhouse. And the coolest thing is you, you learn about the very, very, very beginning of it and the difficulty that these guys went through to get it established. I mean, they went 473 and 138. That's an absurd record during the height of Indiana basketball when the single-class system, um, when teams would win a sectional, they would live on forever. That's how competitive it was, let alone a state championship. And this is one of those little stories that just just, just got lost, just got pushed down. Um, and credit Matthew Werner for, for telling it. It is a great piece, and, and I wonder if there's something here, if, if you could take one item of this story, if you had to go talk to a, a class full of high school basketball players today, what would be one great thing to make sure they remembered as they walked out from what you've read in this piece here? That's a good question for starters. 
don't take it for granted because the simple act of being able to play high school basketball was not an easy thing for a lot of people, a lot of people that came before them. And that's sort of passed down through generations and talking to, you know, this, the grandson of the player that I focused on last year that sort of broke the color barrier in college basketball. You know, he was upset after a game and he thought that his coach, who was white, wasn't playing him because of his race. And his dad sat him down and said, read this, that being a 10-page journal he had kept throughout the racial segregation that he had to deal with. So for every injustice these guys have had to face, amplify it times 10 for this generation. And that's why this story is so important, because he's telling the story that a lot of people don't know. The story is called The Patch Players. Basketball was a respite from life's daily injustice. It was written by Matthew Werner. We'll have links to that story and links to Zach Kiefer below the audio player. Please do check all of that out. Zach Kiefer, a sports writer at the Indianapolis Star. Thanks again for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Kenny. This is the best story I've heard today. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll share it with others. Thanks for listening. We look forward to sharing stories with you again very soon. I'm Kenny Smith. thanks again for listening to the best story I've heard today. And here's a bit more news for you. You can hear this show on our host site, podbean.com. But the best story I've heard today is also syndicated now on sites like Stitcher and Google Play. Just go to those sites and search the best story I've heard today. You can find us on podbean.com, on Stitcher, and on Google Play. The best story I've heard today.